glory, glory. Glory, glory. Perhaps you simply needed to be reminded that God can handle it, that he is able, he can deal with it. As a matter of fact, one preacher say, don't, don't try to figure it out because he's already worked it out. Woo, that's a good word for somebody. If you're able, would you please stand with me for the reading of the word? Thank you so much, choir, for reminding us of the victory and the promise that we have from the Lord. As I mentioned briefly in our opening statements, we are embarking upon uh, the third segment in our annual emphasis, the annual emphasis being fit to finish, and we're looking at different compartments of, of our lives. We've dealt with spiritual fitness and what that looks like. We've dealt with emotional fitness where we've actually, we dug a little deeper, had to look at matters of the mind and the heart. We brought in guests to give us wisdom to, to navigate those spaces of anger and depression and just melancholy and how all of us, if we're honest, we face these trials and challenges. Well, the next segment of series deals with our relationships. And we're going to look at as many as we can. Uh, we're going to look at marriages. We're going to look at singleness. We're going to look at uh, relationships with our children and parents. But on today, is we're looking at a foundational principle that will help us to successfully work through the remaining messages in this series. Very familiar passage of scripture, but familiar to the point where it's so often misquoted and misused. And so it's important that we take a fresh look at this because unfortunately our culture has stolen this text and they misuse it on a regular basis. And as a consequence, some of us as believers, we don't even know what it means. So let's just look at it again. I want to thank Reverend Jeremy for reading that this morning. Matthew chapter 7. If you have your sermon notes, just hold those with, me, with you and just uh, prepare yourselves for the message. But listen to Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye? And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye hypocrite first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet turn and tear you to pieces Wow, that's a strong text. I'm going to put a tag on this text, and we're going to preach from the subject, friends help. Say that with me. Say, friends, friends. Help. help. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father God, we are so grateful for today. As a matter of fact, Father, we're, we're trying to wrap our minds around this text you've led us to on today. 
So, Father, I'm asking right now that you touch our hearts, minds, souls, and bodies. Father, allow us right now to be free to focus upon your word. Father, may we not carry our preconceived understanding of this scripture here, but may we release it and hear what thus saith the Lord. Father, every single one of us wrestled with the text that we're dealing with on today. Every single one of us. And so, Father, I pray that in all humility and sincerity, we'd allow your word and your spirit to speak to us on today. In fact, Father God, may we allow your spirit to literally transform every relationship that we have. Have your way in this place, Lord God. Be glorified in this moment. We submit this prayer to you by faith in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're going to hold off on the video. Friends, help. Come on in, worshipers. Come on in. I want to give you a time to come on in and take your seats. Praise God. Praise God. Once they've come in, ushers, I want to thank you for your faithful service on today. Help me again. Somebody say, friends, help. Our message moment for today helps me to kind of paint a picture to what the Lord is dealing with us in the area of our relationships. Listen and look at our message moment. Our relationships must include truth and love in order for both parties to grow. Say that one more time. Our relationships must include truth and love in order for both parties to grow. So greater, I, I checked. I, I did my research in my archives. And I remembered and recalled that on an annual basis, I address from the very word of God principles that if heeded, implemented, and committed to, will significantly enhance the quality of our life as it relates to our relationships. Significantly enhance. Every year we spend time working on our relationships. And so today's message is no different. But it approaches healthy relationships from a very specific vantage point. You see, even as I preach right now, you are perhaps upset, angry, disappointed at someone, or you are to the point where you could care less about the person you're in relationship with. And what you don't understand is the first step towards healing and wholeness for any relationship is for us as individuals to take ownership of our own failure, shortcoming, and sin. And as a consequence, then to stop casting aspersion upon the other individual. I just said a lot. I hope you caught that. If we were to take a, a poll, Many of you on today, as you sit, are upset, angry, disappointed, 
with someone else. But what we fail to recognize is the first step is not addressing the anger with the other individual. But the first step is turning that anger internally and doing just a bit of self-examination. Y'all help me teach this this morning. In other words, as the prolific songwriter sang, sweep in front of your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. Y'all know that song. And you hear how excited you got? We shout over sounds like that. We get so excited. That's right, sweep in front of your own, around your own front door before you come around here sweeping around. We get all excited because we like the way it sounds, but, but, but we miss the message in the song because even in that song, he said that sweeping was essential for healthy relationships. As long as you sweep your door first. See, we seem to believe that sweeping is beyond responsibility. No, 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 no. Sweeping is a part of our relationships. I need a witness up in here. In order for your relationships to have substance, there has to be some sweeping. And all the songwriter said is before you sweep in front of mine, sweep in front of yours. Make sure you get the doormat. And don't just get, pick the doormat up and sweep up under the doormat. I need a witness up in here. See, when we sweep our porches first and frequently, we're able then to see the grace and mercy that God has released in our lives. This, in turn, helps us to approach other folk with grace and mercy. Not in a condemning manner. So Jesus in our text is speaking to his disciples and he literally wants them to learn how to improve their interpersonal skills. So what can we learn from Jesus? Look at verse 1 again. He says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Verse 1. Verse 2, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Now, this is not a command never to judge. I need you to catch that. But this is a command to judge with loving kindness and compassion. This is a command to not be overly critical as we often are. Some of us just can't help ourselves. Y'all look at me. Don't look down. Don't look at your name. Look at me. You ain't right. I ain't said nothing right. Just look on up here. And some of us live in this overly critical disposition. We're overly critical at work. We're overly critical at home. We're overly critical with our kids. And we wonder why people see us coming and, and, and didn't do that. Because they know there is a 50-50 chance that you're going to criticize something they're wearing, something they're doing, something they say. It's just, it's just who you are. Sweep around your own front door. So what's happening in the text is the Lord is helping us to understand that 
We will be measured by the standard that we dispense. We will be measured by the standard that we give out. But this will not come from man. It will come from God. So we're going to get back that that we give out. So the text does not forbid loving correction. But it forbids premature improper correction. See, in the context of this text, the Pharisees loved to play God. Oh, y'all help me preach this. And the Pharisees and, and all who were a part of them, they were accustomed to sitting in judgment over everybody else. They condemned individuals. They, they talked down to individuals. And so the Lord Jesus wanted them to understand when I pour into you, I want to ensure that you don't respond like those Pharisees do. Ooh, it's quiet up in here, but I'm going to keep preaching. The Pharisees played God. So Jesus wanted all of them and us to know that God don't play. So the kind of judgment and the measure of judgment will come right back at you based upon what you have released. You will reap what you have sown. So consequently, if you cannot judge rightly, compassionately, with a bent towards actually helping the individual, your brother, your sister, your spouse, the Lord is saying, don't judge. If you can't do it right, then don't do it. If you can't dispense judgment with compassion, Helping the individual, uh, uh, being there for the individual. Jesus like, don't you even do it. You need to work on you more than you need to be a judge to your brother or your sister. And see, here's, I want to add this as well. This is kind of in my notes. See, I'm, I'm convinced that many of us are in our own man-made solitary confinements because of the misappropriation of judgment. See, because we have not released relational grace and mercy, we don't experience or receive relational grace and mercy. See, because we hold individuals hostage and, and, and we cut them off and we do these things to them based upon the, their offense towards us, then we have literally locked ourselves in our own man-made solitary confinements. So this, this first section, I want to just tell you, take it to the judge. Take it to the judge. Whatever it, take, it to the, take it to the one who can actually handle it. And I want to let you know there are some things you can handle, but there are some things that you got to get right first. So Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount is filled with this message is filled with powerful principles and promises that will help the disciples and us to grow in a deeper level of faithfulness. So to keep his followers from becoming like the Pharisees, habitually critical for no good reason, Jesus is challenging them and us to guard against the temptation of condemning others. Now, before we dig into this text, I want you to begin to examine your own heart. I want you to take some time and just review and be reflective of some relationships. 
You may call them first-class relationships as parent, as child, as sibling, as spouse. Examine some of those first-class relationships and see how you're doing. Because oftentimes, again, we're in this man-made solitary confinement. And we're completely unaware of what's happening around us. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Look at this first thing I want you to get down. Number one, the Lord is challenging us to resist the urge. Resist the urge. Resist what urge, Pastor Brown? The, the urge to judge in a condemnatory manner. The urge to, to judge in a manner that condemns other individuals. The, 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 the urge, watch this, y'all, to always find something wrong with the individuals whom God has called you to be in relationship with. You got to resist, you got to resist that urge. And watch this. It is an urge that every single person battles with. Isn't it funny how you can't help but see the faults in the people that you're in relationship with? Now, you, it's, it's easy to overlook the good that they do, but those faults, aren't they kind of amplified? Can I get a little help up in here? Come on, y'all. I mean, the, the faults just, it's almost like it's a megaphone. It's just on blast. But when they do something good, it's like, eh, whatever. And so we have to then, we have to build up a, a, a new level of maturity. And we have to resist the urge to always comment on the things individuals may do that don't rise up to our standard. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. Somebody say resist the urge. And so what happens in the text is when you resist the urge, secondly, then you remove the penalty. Oh, God, help me up in here. See, when you resist the urge, you remove the penalty. What penalty? Don't judge so that you won't be judged. And again, this is in a condemning manner of judgment. See, you remove the penalty of being judged overly critical when you don't judge others overly critical. Some of y'all got to resist that urge. Some of us got to resist that urge. And as a consequence, we can watch the penalty being removed from our very lives. So the penalty of being judged in a manner that is condemning. See, all of this judging, Dr. Alistair Begg calls it jumping to judgment. Yeah, yeah, some of us just like to jump, jump to judgment. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's all the exercise some of us get, jumping to judgment. That's it. We don't do nothing else but jumping to judgment. We watch television. We know who did it. Y'all help me up in here. Jump in the judgment. That's, that's it. And we just simply, we live, stay with me, to judge. And we just love social media. We get to judge all day long. Why she wearing that? Why he do that? What he got that on? 24 hours a day. Non-stop judgment. 
So Alistair Begg says, we jump to judgment. Watch this. To help us feel better about ourselves. He says in verse 2, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure that you use. So I learned a little bit about bacon when I was hanging out with my ganny. She had all these different little, little, little cups. And she would tell me with them little cups, get the little one. That's the fourth. That's the one fourth. Then get the three fourths. And I would get it. I would put a little flour in it. But I would always watch her in her measure. How she would take time to make sure she had the right amount. And when it got good, to she would level it off with that finger. Y'all see, y'all don't cook like I cook. You don't know about that. She, she leveled it off with that finger because she wanted to make sure that measurement was right because when she, yeah, everything was contingent upon the measurement. And so what's happening in the text is this. You got to know, y'all, here it is. Release what you desire to receive. Give out what you're looking for. So what he's saying in the text is this, you're going to get back what you give out. You're going to be measured by the same three-fourths cup that you measure. So if you measure out three-fourths of foolishness, let me level it off the top, brother. You going to get back three-fourths cup of foolishness. If you measure out three-fourths of grace and mercy and truth and loving kindness, then you're going to get back some grace and mercy and truth and loving. I just want to know what you've been given. Because what he's saying here, when you release what you desire to receive, you are then experiencing in a positive way the principle of sowing and reaping. That's a strong principle. You, you can't get back what you don't put out. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how you try to beat the system. If you give out love, but it ain't real love, you're going to get back some fake love. Help me, Holy Spirit. If you give out fake smiles all the time, but you really don't mean it, every smile you get is going to be faker than the one you got. But the principle of sowing and reaping is found throughout Scripture. Matthew 4, 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. Luke chapter 6, verses 37. It's the same judge theme again. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. There it is. And you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Stephen Brown. So do you have a difficult time in giving what you desire to receive? Because if you do, we're going to see later on, maybe there's something happening with your vision. Amen. Maybe there's something that, that has happened where you just can't quite see straight, Steve Brown. 
So basically, Jesus is telling these disciples and us, it is not our job to do God's job. Again, we can, we can, we can, we can encourage, we can, we can exhort, but, but watch this. The condemning judgment, that's not left up to us. And that's what he's warning us to guard our hearts and minds against. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's, let's go a little further. So Jesus uses, in the next couple of verses, a humorous tone to make a powerful point about our own hypocrisy. And let me tell you something, it's easy for us to fall into this temptation. So as Jesus guides us away from condemnatory and critical interaction with those closest to us, he shines the spotlight upon our own shortcomings. Look at verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter Stephen Brown in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam Stephen Brown of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Get ready to write real quick. Number one, we see what we want to see. I feel that, Miss Joyce. I feel that. That's a good one, ain't it? Yeah, we see what we want to see. Oh, that's the truth, y'all. We see what we want to see. I'm going to let you get that down. Let that soak in just a little bit. We see what we want to see. And this makes it so easy for us to jump to conclusions in our relationships. Why? Because we see what we want to see. And as a consequence of us seeing what we want to see, we have to take ownership that, in fact, our vision may be impaired. See, we don't recognize how hard it is to spot a splinter with a beam lodged in our eye. I think y'all missed that. Do you know how hard it is? For me to spot a splinter in somebody else's eye. If I have a beam lodged in my eye. See, in order for me to spot a splinter in your eye and I got a beam in my eye, that means I have years of working on avoiding my own reality. Oh, y'all help me preach this. And as a consequence, I've gotten good at being a critical individual. Oh my God. A.B., is my mic on? I, I got a thumbs up. Okay, all right. So, y'all, we see what we want to see. So, just picture, just picture, if you will. Picture, if you will, an individual with a speck in their eye being chastised by somebody with a log in their eye. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. See, there, there is an inference in the text is that you can't see the beam in your own eye, but other folks can see the beam. See, this is the danger of poor vision, Stephen Brown. Everybody else can see your issues but you. Y'all, we see what we want to see. Uh, one of my first years of seminary, uh, we were writing a whole lot of papers, a whole lot of papers. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. I had a friend of mine who wasn't that good at writing. And so we had gotten back, we are taking the same class, we gotten back, 
some papers, and my friend didn't do well. And so I, you know, being the, the, the generous person that I am, uh, I'm going to help him with his papers. And so he had a horrible score on his, and I said, listen, man, here's what you got to do. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to make sure, dot, 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 dot. Because I have a degree in English. I helped him with his papers. I want to make sure he knew, you know, I this man. And I said, you got to really watch out for that, man, because I, I think you got a little lazy right there. And so, you know, you dot, 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 dot. And so I, I, I coached him on his papers. And then I turned my paper over, see what I got. Let's just say we didn't have that conversation no more. Let's just say that. <laughs> Y'all, we see what we want to see. And we don't understand, watch this, the danger of refusing to address our own issues. We have beams in our eyes, yet we can spot splinters in other folk eyes. The text is moving. He says, or verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Y'all, we see what we want to see. Secondly, we say what sounds good. Y'all, we say what sounds good. How can you even say to your brother, let me, uh, where do you even get the language from? Because we have such a habit, watch this, of being overly critical, using condemnatory language, always trying to correct other folk. And what Jesus is saying, I see through you. So the first point deals with our hypocrisy. The second point deals with our willingness to help. But we don't realize we're not really helping. So in the pretense of helping, we're really just elevating our own sense of worth. That's what we're doing. So Stephen Brown, and I keep using my name because I don't want nobody to think I'm talking about them. If you ain't restored, or at the very least in the process of being restored, then how can you lead someone else to restoration? See, here's what I call it. I call it hurtful helping. And y'all, many of us are guilty of it. We camouflage our own issues because it gives us some sense of worth that I'm better than the other person who has a splinter or a speck in their eye. And so as long as I just keep talking, as long as I say to the Christianese and quote a couple of scriptures, then they're never going to know that I got this beam lodged in my own eye. So the very most, those of us who are beam bearers, we offer overly critical advice, laced with Christianese, and we ultimately leave other individuals feeling worse because while they're hurting, we're talking 
and saying things that makes them feel condemned. And so we're doing all this talking while they're looking at us with beams in our eyes. This is good to me, y'all. So we see what we want to see, and then we say what sounds good. So the text is moving. Verse 5, he says, hypocrite. We can stop right there and go home. That's it. That's hypocrite. Hypocrite. Y'all, Jesus can say stuff that we just can't say no more. If I walk in here and call you a hypocrite, you probably would try to take me out. Amen. Come on. See, you slap me back and you say something, you call me out my name. You know you would. But here Jesus is calling them hypocrites. And they're taking it. You know why? Because he's telling the truth. He says, hypocrite. Here is a lesson. Here, 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 here it is. We're, we're wrapping this up. He says, first, take the beam of wood out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So in verse 5, Jesus calls it what it is and gives us a vision for what it must be. Relationally speaking, he says we have to watch out for hypocrisy. Relationally speaking, we know how to be right, but we don't know how to be reconciled. Relationally speaking. And so Jesus is like, listen, listen, listen. Uh, in, in order for you to get this right, you got to take ownership, Stephen Brown, of where you are. And you have, to, you have to know and receive that there is some hypocrisy in your life because you're always trying to help other folk. But in reality, you're trying to elevate your own sense of self-worth. Help me, Holy Spirit. This is going to set your relationships free. If you take heed, three simple things. You know, I'm simple. Number one, Lord Jesus said, you got to clean up. Get that down. If you want to change it to sweep around, that's fine. You got to clean up. Basically, you got to sweep around your front door. I should have did a little exercise. People just kind of sweeping. Just practice your sweeping. Just, just, just practice your sweeping. Pastor Mark, what, what does sweeping, what does cleaning up look like? It looks like repenting. It looks like turning. It looks like dealing with your issues. And y'all, I've said this so many times before. If, if the majority of your relationships, there is some unusual conflict attention, maybe it ain't everybody else. Stephen Brown. Maybe you need to clean up, which is first things first. You have to, Stephen Brown, Take that beam out of your eye. The beam of pride. The beam of self-centeredness. The beam of having to be right all the time. The beam of being mean and cynical. The beam of relying on a false sense of righteousness. And the Lord is like, bro, sis, that ain't righteousness. Somebody say clean up. So I got to stop fooling myself into thinking that my beam is jewelry. Some of us wear our beam, we think it's jewelry. 
We put earrings on it. Try to put a little, you know, makeup on it. We want to wear it as a badge of honor. It's not a badge of honor. It is a sign of our struggle with hypocrisy. And every single one of us struggle with it. Because we always have this sense, well, my sin ain't that bad. Y'all help me preach this. And I told you many times, the only reason your sin ain't that bad is because, Stephen Brown, you too old to do what you used to do. Y'all ain't going to help me up in here. But boy, if I had the energy and the strength, watch out, I'm coming back. Let's keep going. Somebody say, clean up. Lord Jesus says, first, take the beam of wood out of your heart. Repentance, ownership, dealing with your issues. Pastor, I've tried to deal with them, but I, I just, I can't seem to get past this certain point. Get you some help. I done brought three or four people up in this pulpit to offer their services to you. You are without excuse. Secondly, open up. After you clean up, then you got to open up. Look at what he says in the text. He says, then you will see clearly. See, some of us haven't used our real vision in years. We've been squinting. We've been, we've been just furrowing our brows. We've been trying to focus, but we have not seen in years. Why? Because we can only see through eyes with beams in them. God, I'm, I'm preaching this somewhere else. They're going to receive a little better than this. God, I know I'm preaching up in here. You've been squinting for years. Getting contacts and getting new glass. No, it ain't that. It's that beam stuck in your eye. So once you clean up, you can open up perhaps for the first time. In a long time, you're able to see clearly. See, now you're able to be of value to other people. Now you're able to be a friend who actually helps. Let's go back. Let's kind of bring this kind of back full circle because we open up the Lord Jesus. There is a warning against stern, uh, condemning judgment. It's not a warning to not judge, but to watch how you judge, how you, how you give advice, how you give accountability. But the text is all about us supporting and helping one another. Y'all, we can't get out of this thing by ourselves. Friends, help. And if I'm about to walk off the cliff, I need somebody in here to say something, to do something, to try to grab me, to try to get my attention. Don't describe what I'm wearing. Don't talk about how it's going to look when I fall. Don't talk about how pitiful it is that the pastor is falling off the cliff. You are obligated to help. Somebody say clean up. We're finished. Somebody say open up. Thirdly, help up. Yeah, help up. And here, here is the meat of the message. I, I'm just going to stop right here. He says, once, listen, once you've done the first thing first, mm, 
and clean that beam. Knock that beam out your eye. Secondly, you'll be able to open up your eyes. And for the first time in a long time, you can actually see. And then thirdly, now you're in a position to help your brother. Now you're in a position to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Y'all, the message is entitled, Friends Help. The ultimate goal is to help our brothers and our sisters and our spouses and our children to grow in their relationship with the Lord. We improve our chances of helping when we are willing to address our mess. The last thing, the last thing is he talks about the, the, the swines and the dogs. He says, don't, don't give what is holy to dogs to toss your pearls before swigs or before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. So he closes by challenging us, watch this, to be discerning in our judging. We got to be wise because there are some people out there who do not have our best interests. And he said, you got to watch out. And he calls them pigs and dogs. Don't do that in 2019. Amen. But the inference of the text is, y'all, we have to guard these truths and we got to be careful how we deal with other folk. I got one closing story. And this is, when I tell y'all this is the truth, this is the truth. This is the truth. Uh, other day, it was a Thursday. I got a lot I do on Thursdays. I mean, I, I got a couple of meetings and then I have some things I do here and some things I do on campus. And then after all that, I go get a little exercise, trying to work on this gut. Amen. And then I'm the, I'm the Uber for the Brown family. I drop off and pick up, pick up everybody. That's just my job. And I take such pride in picking up my kids and dropping them off. Uh, it's, just, it's a blessing and a privilege. Well, the other day I picked the kids up, and uh, they got in the car. And have you ever kids, have your kids ever gotten in the car, and it's just kind of, you know, something just starts smelling? deodorant today boy I said yeah I think so I said buddy come on man that's that's disgusting and so I try not to be you know too condemnatory I said you know come on bro you you can't you can't you can't miss a day you can't you can't take a shower and then not put in your deodorant that's come on now you moving around too much you know you you know you you thin it's, it's gonna go through you quick bro it's, you got to Bro, come on. Man, that's, that smell like eggs, man. What in the world? What were you doing today? He said, I didn't do anything. I just went to school. I said, well, listen, don't, don't do that. I said, and then I, you don't want to be the boy who stink at school, buddy. Come on. So then dropped them off. Had a couple more errands to run. And I'm driving around the car, y'all. And the smell is still in the car. And I figure out. Now, the boy got out the car, but why am I still smelling? And y'all, I had a big turn to make, and I, I made a big turn in the car. Y'all, I use Mitchum. 
but somewhere in the heat of the day, ripping and running, trying to exercise, trying to get here, y'all, I smell like a boiled egg. And as I was preparing this message, it reminded me. Remember what you said to Nicholas that day? How you condemned him? When in reality, it was your odor. You smelled up the car, not the kids. Somebody say, clean up. Open up. Help up. Give God a hand of praise right there. Come on, come on. Everyone stand with me if you're able. Come on and stand with me. Come on, come on, come on. Prayer team, come on.